Welcome to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's great to have you with us. We are joined by some amazing speakers and experts who have experienced, like all of us, life's ups and downs. If you want to find out more about Kintsugi Hope, then please do head to the website kintsugihope.com. Hello and welcome back to the Kintsugi Hope podcast. My name is Rachel Newham and I am going to host it for a little while. I'm the Mental Health Friendly Church Project Manager. And um, I'm thrilled that we're continuing this series on the truth about because we're so aware that there are loads of myths around faith and around mental health um, and probably even more myths around faith and mental health. Um, so we wanted to kind of give a bit of space to explore that over the next um, couple of months. And I'm absolutely delighted that we have Thea Joshi, um, who works for um, a national mental health uh, charity um, and has loads of knowledge and wisdom to share with us um, about OCD. So thank you so much for joining us, Thea. Um, and yeah, would you be able to start, I guess, by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, wow, that was that was quite an intro. Gosh, I feel the pressure now. Um, so yeah, I'm Thea. I live in Nottingham with my husband. Um, and we lived in London for many years before that. Uh, as he said, I work for a national mental health charity and um I don't really know what else to say. Like walking, like eating, like hanging out with friends, the usual stuff. Um, yeah. Nice, cool. And um, and I guess the the topic, so OCD is something I probably hear I'm so OCD more times in a week than I care to count. And I always say to people, say it out loud without the kind of anagram, and it makes no sense as a sentence. Um, yeah. So obsess- OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. What What is it? What does it mean? What does it look like? Yeah, okay. So, and I, I feel like I should uh, disclaim this by saying I'm not a mental health professional. This is my experience, my understanding, which may be limited in some areas. So don't quote me on any of this. But um, from what I know, uh, so OCD is an anxiety disorder. It's, it's grouped under the anxiety disorder sort of umbrella. Um, and as you might have guessed, it involves obsessions and compulsions. Um, and so it could be centered around obsessive thoughts, which is like a huge range of things from anything uh, from, you know, what if, uh, what if I leave my straighteners on and the house burns down? What if I catch germs from someone and pass them on and someone dies? What if, um, what if I'm a paedophile? What if I push that person in front of a train? So really distressing uh, what if thoughts. And um, obviously there's lots of topics we can group them under. So we might talk about contamination OCD, relationship OCD, um, checking OCD. And so those are your kind of obsessive thoughts and they're like the trigger. And then we all have, the majority of people, they've done research, the majority of people in the society uh, who do not have any mental health diagnosis have those obsessive intrusive thoughts is what we would call them. So you might have that thought and you're like, wow, that's weird oh well and then you carry on with your day and the difference is that in someone with OCD that then kind of can take root and fester and become something that is very very real um and in response to the distress that that causes you then enter into compulsions and compulsive behavior um so I'm going to give you an example um when I was a kid uh I went through a stage of really worrying that I was going to sort of shoplift and not really remember it but I was going to do it it's going to be awful I was going to be arrested my life would be ruined da, 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 da. follow that thread through 
So the compulsion there was to, you know, keep my hands in my pockets in any shops, not touch anything, not pick anything up, get home, get my parents to check my pockets in case there's anything there, which I realise sounds really odd, like really weird. Like how on earth does that work? But I think sometimes we don't understand that the compulsive behaviours, which can on the outside look really weird or unusual or odd or, you know, are driven by really major distress and anxiety. Um, So, yeah, that was a really long answer to the question. There's lots more I could say um, on that. Uh, But yes, that's a little little taster of OCD. I think that's really helpful. And I think when I was from what I've known about it and what I've read about it, it's that thing, understanding that actually OCD is an anxiety disorder, first and foremost, and it's the anxiety that drives the obsessions and the compulsions. And so actually that that really helped me to understand it better, that it's not these stuff, it's not this stuff coming out of the blue, it's driven by anxiety. And actually we all do stuff, sometimes that's a bit weird or unusual um, when we're anxious, um, I was watching an episode of the sitcom Modern Family the other day um, and one of the characters goes in and he has like a pre-game, he's a football coach and he has like pre-game rituals so he like yeah. take over a bucket and have the same breakfast um, yeah. and I think we all have those in a, in a really tiny scale, we have those things that we do to make ourselves feel better about the fact that the oh. world is really uncontrollable and in the same way I guess that you know, depression is um, an exaggerated kind of over outside the normal human experience of sadness. Yeah. Is, is that of, of those kind of little things that we do and have an, an experience in our, in our everyday lives? Yeah. And I think also people talk about um, OCD. I think probably like any mental health condition, it's, a, it's about kind of how much it's getting in the way of your life. So, and, and and as you say, the distress driving it. So if I just like things neat, I'm clearly not a bit OCD, which is a ridiculous phrase, as you said, um, because it's just because I like it neat. I don't think anything awful is going to happen if things aren't neat. I'm not doing it because I'm really anxious inside. I'm just doing it because I like things neat. And actually, in my case, I don't. I'm very untidy, um, which people always find amusing, blah, 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 because of stereotypes about OCD. Um, but yeah, I think it's also about how much distress is it causing you in your life? Are you able to function? You know, if you're checking the door once, that's kind of normal and probably not going to impede on your day. If you're having to check the door 40 times before you can leave the house, it's going to impact on your life. You know, so there's a level of also kind of acuteness, severity there. Um, but yeah. I think that's a really important point, actually, to to make about mental illness more broadly is that actually, and I guess clinically, you know, it's not just having the feelings. Hmm. Um, the, the extent to which they impact your day that that kind of makes it whether it's a mental illness or kind of just something you struggle with um yeah yeah, it's a really important reminder to us all that you know again you know being a bit anxious doesn't make you have an anxiety disorder yeah but actually when your anxiety is is impeding your life and and stopping you being able to live a full and meaningful life that's when it becomes something that you know might need outside help might need kind of extra mm. extra help and, and treatment yeah and as I I guess I said at the beginning you know there are a lot of myths around anxiety uh, OCD um you know people would say I I am openly quite obsessive 
Um, yes. Yeah. But I don't have OCD. You know, I have rainbow organized bookshelves. They took me a really long time. That was quite an obsessive process, but that yeah. makes joy. Yeah, that. great. Well done, you. I'd love yeah. that. I'd love to be like that. <laughs> but and I think that is such that important thing that actually being obsessive and having OCD are completely different things. Yeah. Um, and what, why do you think there are so many myths around OCD? And perhaps can you, can you kind of myth bust some of the most, most common ones for us? Oh dear. Oh, can I do that? Um, so I think, as we said, in terms of myth busting, you know, this idea that OCD is about cleanliness or neatness just isn't true. And um, like I'm part of a support group for OCD. And when you actually hear people's stories, you realise that, yes, contamination and, and fear of germs is definitely a very real and very terrifying part of it for some people. But so many other people are just like, no, that doesn't bother me at all. Um, I'm, I'm fine. It's actually this thing that destroys my life kind of thing. Um, so I think people have just got really weird ideas about what OCD looks like. Um, and that makes, and that's a problem. And it's, I think the thing is, it's not just saying like, don't be mean about people with OCD because it makes us feel rubbish. It's that because there's a lack of information and there's so much misinformation, people don't know they have OCD and so they don't get treated. And so many times I've heard, and I had this as well, but other people saying, I didn't get diagnosed for 10, 20 however many years, because I just thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't have any um, kind of label I could put on it to say, oh, this is like a normal thing that other people feel because it looked, it didn't look like switching on the light and switching it off, you know, 10 million times. Like that was my experience. And that's not to um, diminish that because that's awful. It's not saying, oh, this is harder. It's just saying it's, it looks different. And we haven't seen that kind of presentation portrayed in the media or the arts or whatever. And so people just don't know what's wrong with them. They're wrong. But, you know, they don't. They just think something's wrong and I'm very upset and I don't know how to deal with my. Um, so that's something. But I think I think the reason maybe there are lots of myths around it is, you know, that we do see these portrayals in the arts and in culture and media of the behaviours. And so that's what people understand as OCD. So the the continuous hand wapping, for instance, is something that people might um, use as an example on a show or whatever. And that's fine, but it doesn't give you the actual information about what's going on for that person, what's driving it. Again, that it could look like lots of other things. And again, that you might not be able to see a compulsion happening. So for me, the majority of my compulsions have often been um, mental, kind of internal. So you wouldn't notice that I was doing a compulsion in my head but I am because I'm you know replaying a scenario again and again and again um or people who say for for instance count uh in their heads you know you might not see them doing it so I think a lot of it is internal and we can't obviously we can't see that so we don't know about it um I think finally that people the the, the myths around any mental health problem are uh busted as we understand more about it right so I think there would have been a lot more I think they've always been messed around for instance depression or anxiety but as people have talked about them we've seen those myths reduced and now people are like okay I actually have a vocabulary to talk about something like depression and how it might present how it might feel whereas we don't have that as much say with OCD and, and other mental health problems so I think it's just a, it is about talking about it. it is about sharing real experiences and saying this is how it kind of uh, affected my life and just uncovering the myths in that way, if that makes sense. I think that's such an important point, actually, because we do know more about depression and anxiety now. And it is because we've talked about it for the, you know, certainly in the last 10 years that I've been in this sort of mental health awareness faith space, mm. you know, we talk about it far more than we 
do before and and I guess depression and anxiety are the ones we talk about most because they are the most common um yeah. and now we almost we've got to do the work all over again with 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 the other mental illnesses yeah. experience um and I guess from a from a faith position actually that's a whole other thing we tend to be um catching up a little bit and there's there's more kind of theologies and and explorations of faith around um depression and anxiety I wrote a an article this week for Woman Alive around, um, you know, does ha- having anxiety make me a bad Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, we need that kind of that media output as well to to explore it more fully. Mm-hmm. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how OCD kind of impacts your your life, but also also your faith and and what that mm-hmm. what the relationship between those things are. Yeah, so I'll try and I'll try and give you the short version. I'm trying not to give you the story of my life according to OCD. Um, uh, but I think, you know, as we said, I think it's important to share some of it because my symptoms maybe looked different from what we've seen. And if I can share it and people go, oh, I just thought that was me being weird, then that could help. Um, so it's been part of my life in some way since probably I was about nine or 10. Like not, as we said, it may be at that kind of diagnosable level, but sort of unusual thoughts that most people don't worry about being very anxious about things um uh so you know as I said I I used to worry about stealing um I used to worry about really cheating on exams and you know even now I can look back on it and go that's a bit weird like why did you worry about that which is probably how the rest of the world sees it but again when you're in it it doesn't feel like weird this is real you know, this is not a theoretical like, oh, what if this weird thing happened? This is this is a real present threat in my life. This could happen at any moment now and I'm not safe. It's that kind of feeling of anxiety and distress. Um, so uh, got through teenagers, up and down, da, da, da. And I got to about 17 and that's when I was diagnosed because um, things had reached a real peak. It was, it was really affecting my life in terms of being able to sit exams uh, and being able to you know, socialise, do do normal life, get myself to college, all of that kind of thing that people take for granted. Um, so, yeah, I had CBT multiple times, you know, recovered a bit, relapsed a bit. Um, and, it, you know, OCD has led to me taking some time off work briefly. Uh, you know, I avoided a lot of social situations, including really precious time with, you know, family and friends. And I think for any mental health problem, OCD included, there's a lot of loss there that we face. So I think that that's something to explore is like just acknowledging what we've lost and what we've missed out on because we weren't well enough. So that's something. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of how it's affected my faith, as you might expect, like with any kind of suffering, it has a massive effect because you know, you're praying and praying. And, you know, for instance, in this situation, praying for healing, praying for a reprieve, praying for peace. And you just sort of feel like God's not listening. Or like if he is, he's not doing anything. Um, You know, if he loves me and he can see how hard this is, why would he just let it carry on being like this? Um, And then I think, you know, at church, you hear things about there's uh, there's no fear in love perfect love casts out fear and I still even now I'm like what does that mean and like what does that mean in the face of anxiety and um 
you know, I believe that Jesus loves me and his spirit lives in me. But still, what does it mean then that I could still be terrified like this, even though I believe, you know, I'm secure in God's love, I'm saved, however you want to phrase it. I'm still really terrified right now. And, and I don't know how I how I reconcile those two things, you know, and people say about suffering, refining you. And it's like, I don't find I feel like I'm being burned up. And, you know, so it brings out loads and loads of questions. And I think, you know, for me, having things like the Psalms has been a real anchor. I know lots of people speak about that in just putting words to our pain and our questions. Like, um, you know, the psalmists aren't afraid to just say that things are really awful and like, God, where are you? Um, but I think at the moment I'm in a much better place. And that's amazing. It feels miraculous, to be honest, given how I was a few years ago. Um, and so I'm always nervous to say that because I feel like, you know, I know it can come back. It's come back many times. I know it can come back again. And it's it's not gone, but it's just like not driving the car, if that makes sense. It's kind of in the background. Um, but I just think from this place, I can really say I've seen God's goodness. I've seen his faithfulness at work and I still don't understand it like I don't understand all of what's happened and what still goes on but I know that Jesus is the one that suffered for me but also with me and I think that's amazing and um brings so much comfort that he he gets it you know he's you know resurrected but he still bears the wounds um and and that's like the biggest comfort I think is that he he gets it and he's he's not a stranger to suffering he's not above it um so that was a very long answer sorry no that's great and I and I think it's so important actually that we're able to to wrestle honestly and openly um and that sense that you know one of the kind of you know we've just had Easter um and Jesus in Gethsemane the fact that he sweated with blood was an extreme anxiety reaction yeah yeah and I think I mean I end up banging on about language a lot but I think that language between anxiety and fear is really important because yeah fear is often what we feel but anxiety is what our minds and our body is a reaction um yeah we can't necessarily control when our body goes into fight or flight we can Mm -hmm. tools to mitigate it and tools to um help lessen that impact um, but when your body and your mind are are terrified, they're going to yeah. be, and actually that's God given. Um, mm. that, you know, a long time ago we ran away from like lions and stuff. Um, yeah. Where our body manifests that was really helpful for the lions and yeah. less helpful for you know exams. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And I guess. Yeah. Is there something that kind of as we as we come into land, what what would you say is one of the most important things to understand about OCD? If we're if we're trying to help somebody, if we're trying to come alongside, mm. them, um, are there often in these situations it's easier to say stuff not to do rather than to do? But are there any really particularly helpful or things that are particularly unhelpful if we're trying to support somebody who who is struggling with OCD? uh yeah that's a great question with like a million answers all of the things that you shouldn't shouldn't do um and it, and again will be different for everyone because there's loads of different situations but I think um 
I'll do, I'll give you a couple of don'ts and then one do. Is that, is that allowed? I know you said one, but here we are. Um, I'm just going to keep talking. So I think one one don't would be just be not so much a don't, but be conscious of the way you are sharing scripture with people. I really think we should share scripture to encourage each other, but equally being conscious of, you know, as you said about verses about anxiety and how they can feel like a, a burden around like, don't worry, which was never how they were intended to be. Um, and stuff around this, the stuff I'd love to explore around what does Jesus mean when he talks about like thoughts and our thought lives being really important? And how do we reconcile that with an OCD brain that brings horrible thoughts into our minds that we can't control? So just being conscious of the way that we do that. Um, one big kind of don't or something that's unhelpful for people in general with OCD is just that uh, this thing of reassurance. When someone is really anxious, we want to reassure them. We want to do anything we can to make them feel better so for my parents they wanted to check my pockets even though they saw it was irrational because they just didn't want me to be so scared you know they wanted to just tell me it's fine you're not a bad person and actually that's really fuels OCD so that's just to flag up to anyone who is living with someone who's got OCD just it's really difficult but not fueling that reassurance and then the thing I would say to do is just it sounds really obvious but just listen and care (laughs) So really basic, but can be hard when you don't understand what's going on and like why this person is so anxious. And they might not feel able to tell you because there's an awful lot of shame in ACD. So what I just say is you don't have to understand to care and love people. You know, I didn't want to have to explain everything that was going on in my mind. It was too scary. It was too shameful. But people still were able to get alongside me and say, that's okay. I'm just going to love you and pray for you and, and just distract you do normal things with you be your friend and that's all I needed um so yeah I just say you don't have to understand someone to to love them well sorry that was a lot of things (laughs) no I just I think it's so helpful to have have a bit of a framework because when something's so outside of um an experience that that we're familiar with it's then it is really hard to know how to help and and often people feel like oh I need to be an expert in order to to make a difference um yeah and that's just not true you know we need mental health professionals and mental health experts in the world um but people need friends as well um, yeah. and friendship I think is something that Jesus showed to to the yeah. people he came into contact with you know he he sat down and had dinner with people and he yeah. Um, he listened to them you know I always think of the friends on the road to Emmaus and that he could fix everything for them in an instant and actually he said you know what's what's wrong yeah yeah and I'll I'll walk with you and I just think that's such a beautiful picture of how we can how we can walk alongside one another really um yeah yeah thank you so much for joining me that's been absolutely not at all yeah, just really helpful, I think, to try and get a better understanding of, of something that affects so many people, um, but is is so often um, misunderstood. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. I will um, pop your, your Twitter and stuff in, in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us at the Kintsugi Hope podcast. It's been great to have you with us. If you want to find out more about this amazing charity that creates safe and supportive spaces for those that are experiencing social isolation or poor mental health, then do check out the website kintsugihope.com. We'll see you on the next episode.